Hi, I'm Alex L., and I write books for a living. The Hey Girl podcast was created with sisterhood and storytelling in mind. Hey girl. Hey girl. Hey girl. Hey girl. (laughs) I'll be sitting down with some phenomenal women to discuss love. I believe we grew distant out of love of some type, like, I don't want to hurt you. Loss. Really don't know what's going to trigger that feeling of grief in any moment. And a topic very important to my work, self-care. Freedom is self-care. It's not about pedicures. It's not about clothing. It's not about trips. Join us as we journey through sharing together. Today on the show, I'm sitting down with an artist who is truly inspiring. Her work is gorgeous, and she's a mom of girls. Her name is Jen Garrido. Her art is truly phenomenal, and I'm excited for you guys to hear a bit of her story about how her art came to be, and what her self-care looks like. I hope you guys enjoy this episode. This is Jen Garrido's story. Hey, girl. Hey, girl. Hi. How are you today? Good. How (laughs) are you? I'm good. I'm so glad we've been able to, you know, finally make this work. Thank you so much for being on the show with us. I'm so happy. Oh, my gosh. I'm I cannot wait to talk with you um, just about all of the things you have going on, your art, your mothering, all of that. But I don't want to give your introduction away. So can you <laughs> introduce yourself to our listeners? My name is Jen Garrido. I am a fine artist and make work under the name Jen Garrido. And then I also have another business and an alter ego named Jenny Pennywood, and that is my home textile line. I have two kids, one seven and one is eight months old. We live in San Francisco. Uh, There's probably more, but... (laughs) (laughs) That's fine. That's you in a nutshell, and that is awesome. Thank you. So I want to dive right in. So I, I forget how I found you, but I know it was probably through CSUN, which yes. was a brand of yours and I and still is a brand of yours, right? You guys are relaunching, correct? Yes. Yeah, so we took um like a, a pretty substantial hiatus. And then yes, we are launching a mini collection of just a women's and kids top. So yeah, we're, we're relaunching. I'm so excited about that. But that's how I, I found you. And I had the pleasure of meeting you at In Good Company's um, conference yeah. in September. And I was having a fangirl moment. I just was you so excited. I was. I literally was having a fangirl moment. And I had just bought the not the yeah the swaddle and the wrap from Solly Baby the collaboration that you guys had so when I saw that you were there I was like oh my gosh like what do I say she's so great I love her work (laughs) that's ridiculous that's totally ridiculous because I, I was having also a fangirl moment too because I do follow you on Instagram and I'm a big fan and I'm I just like, oh wow well because when you did buy the stuff from CSUN I remember Lena was like Alex L just bought some stuff from CSUN. And I was like, what? I, mean, I don't know. We were excited. I was so happy. I was, you know, thrilled. And so funny. My 10-year-old, um, she was actually wearing her CSUN the other day, her leggings. So I'm just, oh, good. goodness, I'm just so happy to have you on. Okay, so let's dive in. So we, we yeah. have a little bit um, of information about who you are. And I really want to yeah. really talk about your journey through entrepreneurship as a mother of two and living in San Francisco as a fine artist and also 
you know, just how you're navigating that space of motherhood and being an artist. So I guess let's start with some background of how you chose fine art and when did you fall in love with art? I've always loved art. Even, I mean, even as a kid, like I'm not the best student, even though I was sort of in these like excelled classes. I think I'm just really good at memorizing things. So at a certain point, like when that stopped in high school, um, I started taking more art classes. So I was taking like art classes instead of math, which was who let me do that. I have no idea, (laughs) but I did that. And so when I applied for college, I applied only to the art program and I went to Sonoma state in Northern California. And I just remember taking some classes and then bam, it sort of hit me. I was mm-hmm. like, Oh, this is, this is what this means. You know? Cause like, it's, it's not almost enough to like want to be an artist. You also have to like embody it in your body, you know, like there's some sort of internal language that begins to form and, and it, it just struck me. Mm-hmm. And I was maybe 19 or 20 when I started to sort of really understand what that meant. And at that point, that's all I did. That's awesome. How has that, how has your love for art and creating um, impacted how you move through the world? Cause I feel like I have a, I have a lot of friends who are fine artists. Actually, I have like five or six friends who majored in fine art in college Mm -hmm. and how they move through the world. I feel like they see differently. You guys see art in everything, in the way the wind blows, in how a building may look, Mm. in how the colors intertwine in the sky that day, you know, and I know that may Mm -hmm. sound so dramatic, but it's, it's the truth. And I just wonder how that, how that love of art has impacted how you move and navigate through the world there's so many different ways in which to be an artist in the world. Mm-hmm. You know, I, like I chose, I, I started out as a fine artist. So painting and drawing is my thing. I'm very process oriented. Um, and I feel like I bring that process oriented, creative problem solving way of thinking to sort of everything I do, even like sort of down to like when I used to wait tables, I almost feel like it was an art as well. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Sounds silly, but like, there's just something about the way, like the brain sort of picks up on figuring things out. I do that at home while I'm cooking dinner. And I do it in the exact same way as when I'm like sitting here trying to figure out how to make a painting mm-hmm. or trying to figure out how to like get a shirt made. <laughs> yeah. I mean, there's just, I feel like it applies to all different kinds of things. If that makes sense. It does make sense. So how did you figure out, okay, I'm going to start my own line. I'm going to sell my artwork. And then you've turned your artwork, not only into things you can hang on your wall in your house, but things you can wear and things you can just have around in the home, like your dish towels and, and, mm-hmm. and pieces of that nature. When were you deciding this is what I want to do, yes, and I also want to do this and that with my art as well. And that's been quite a journey, actually. So I, I went to undergraduate school, and I, I majored in, um, I got my BFA in painting, like a diehard painter. Mm-hmm. That's, how I, that's how I feel on the inside, and like, and that's what I wanted to do. So then I went to graduate school at Mills College in Oakland. Something happened there. I did not have a good experience. Granted, I was really only like 24, 25, 26 years old. So I really hadn't made art outside of the, um, an educational setting. 
So then I went back into graduate school. It wasn't the right fit for me. Mm-hmm. Um, so, and I have a lot of different opinions about people going to get their master's in fine art for studio art because of my experience. It just was not good. Mm-hmm. Um, and I got my painting got lost somewhere. So I started doing photography, which was fine. And back then, like there was not even a digital camera. Oh, wow. so sad so how old film? I am. <laughs> wait, wait, I didn't, I don't even think I had email back then. And this was in like 1999. And then I got out of graduate school and I felt very beaten down. I stopped doing art. I decided I wanted to be a kindergarten through eighth grade art teacher. So I ended up doing that. And I, then I started to revisit my practice. So things sort of started to slowly like reintegrate themselves into my life, like my art studio practice And then in 2008, when I turned 30, I decided I'm not going to teach anymore. If I want to be a full-time working artist, it's either going to happen now or never. Mm. So I quit my teaching job. And at that time, I had had some galleries that I was working with. I was um, an affiliate artist at the Headland Center for the Arts, which is like a beautiful art space at the coast up in Marin. And so I quit teaching. I was doing full-time art. Everything was going really well. And then the economy dumped. So in 2008, everything that I was doing that that was making me money stopped. Mm. All my galleries closed and I did not sell another painting for uh, several years after that. How did that impact your belief that you could live off your art? Was it immediately kind of discouraging? Like, like how were you able to come back Mm -hmm. from that? Well, there's a whole backstory too, because, because I had always thought that I was going to be this certain kind of artist. I wanted to be in like, like high end art galleries, selling my work and just painting like very romantic, very, um, fine art driven. Mm -hmm. And so I had felt like I was on that path and a few things kind of had come up during that path that was pushing me away from that path. A few blogs posted about my work. And my work kept getting pushed into this very commercial space, but I kept fighting against it. I'm like, I don't want to be a commercial artist. Right. And I was feeling really bad about that. Like, like there was something wrong with working more commercially at that time. Like that's what I was thinking and feeling. So in 2008, when that economy crashed, I had to really think of what I was going to do. And so what I decided to do was give myself an alter ego, Jenny Pennywood, mm-hmm. and she would be my commercial like lady. I started doing weddings. I would take all my commercial work that way. And that's how I started to make money is through Jenny Pennywood. And Jen Garrido just sort of sat there and like relaxed. <laughs> <laughs> right. And so that was my response to the economy falling apart was like basically creating a new person within myself. And I always have wanted to be a businesswoman, my, um, have my own business, work for myself. I always felt drawn to that. Mm-hmm. Wasn't, I was never sure how that was going to look. Do you have a to-do list that never seems to end? Maybe it's running from a flight straight to a meeting or still having to cook dinner for yourself. Well, now Beta Brand's dress pant yoga pants are perfect for the office, home, and anywhere your day takes you. Beta Brand has the perfect pants to match. Choose from the dozens of colors, patterns, cuts, and styles like the boot cut, straight leg, skinny, cropped, and more. They even have a pair with eight, yes, 
eight pockets. And now they also offer premium denim with the same flexibility and comfort as yoga pants. Right now, my listeners can get 20% off their first order when you go to betabrand.com slash heygirl. That's 20% off your first order at betabrand.com slash heygirl. Millions of women agree that these are the most comfortable pants you'll ever wear to work. Go to betabrand.com slash heygirl for 20% off. Do you love discovering new products? Are you a beauty and fashion maven constantly on the hunt for the next best thing? Ever read about or spot something online that you've always wanted to try but never have? Then you might love FabFitFun. It allows women everywhere to discover new products as well as including rave review and must-have brands that you know and love. It's like Christmas four times a year. Stumped on gift ideas? FabFitFun is also a great gift for someone you love. You can surprise your mom or sister with this awesome summer box packed with great items. Do you have a daughter who's going to college, maybe, or a friend who's a new mom? FabFitFun is an awesome care package. My last box came with this beautiful lotus towel. It was blue, and it's shaped like the flower, and it has a gorgeous design in the middle. That's something we've been laying out on the deck and relaxing on for a few weeks now. So what I love about FabFitFun is that they offer full-size products, no samples of anything. Every box is guaranteed to have over $200 in retail value. The summer 2019 box has a total retail value between $269 to $467. That's fantastic. Treat yourself with items in it, such as the Sutra Professional Mini Travel Blow Dryer, the beautiful Vicks Paula Lotus Towel, or the West Elm Indigo tie-dye bowls. Many of the products' individual value is more than the entire cost of the box. You can customize your box by choosing some products and some add-ons with each one. Or you can be surprised. It's great for discovering new brands and new products. What a better way to shop. I'm looking forward to my next box because they're always so different and packed with things I can actually use. I like to share the items in my box with my 11-year-old. She's really into skincare these days. We recently got a clay mask and a foot mask and a body scrub. She loves them all. The FabFitFun 2019 Summer Box is on sale now. So sign up for FabFitFun today. These boxes always sell out. You can use my code HEYGIRL to get $10 off your first box. All you have to do is go to FabFitFun to sign up and get started. Use promo code HEYGIRL to get $10 off your first box. That's over $200 for only $39.99. Go to FabFitFun.com and use my code HEYGIRL to get $10 off your first FabFitFun box. It's, all, um, it's so funny how that happens, right? Like we have all yeah. these plans for our lives and our our futures, our careers and how they look to us. And then <laughs> we're smacked with these detours yes. that completely yes. shift our, our narratives. And and like, for instance, you said that you didn't want to be a commercial artist. You were really pushing against that. And then that's how you ended up making your, your comeback or your money while being yes. able to still do the art, but just in a different yes. form. Exactly. Yes. And it's like, and it really like, I do feel like I'm two different people. Like, I feel like I have such a, a desire to keep my painting practice going. Right. And, and I also have such a deep desire to be this like bustling small business owner. Yeah. There's just something about all of that, like being my own boss and like, and being other people's bosses. Like, mm-hmm. I really like that idea. Mm-hmm. Um, I feel like 
I'm a good manager. Like there's a lot of different qualities to both, but I feel like Jenny Pennywood is very much about protecting the, I still am very protective over my art practice right. and every idea in my mind that I have about sort of expanding into my, into Jenny Pennywood and making her bigger has like, has everything to do with like car continuing to carve out space for, for Jen Garrido's painting. Yeah. And the idea that I have these both, both of these people has always been like, well, when one's up, one's down, mm -hmm. like I could work on one while the other one's slow. Well, right now, over the last couple of years, it's just both of them are sort of neck and neck. Mm -hmm. So I feel like I'm definitely going into a new place with my work. I feel like that happens a lot in entrepreneurship, specifically mm -hmm. in the creative career. So with that being yeah. said, how do you balance motherhood and your creative career? Because I know that that can't be easy. It's never easy for us trying to do both, but we find a way, right? So how yeah, have yeah, you yeah. how have you found your way in mothering and creating? For me, like my personality is just to like keep going, 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 going. Like I'm not the kind of person who is going to like take a break after having a baby. Yeah. So with Juna, I just like went back. Like within a week I was back in the studio because I had orders to ship and like paintings to make and oh, all wow. kinds of things like that. Yeah. Even though I was like bleeding and uncomfortable and whatever, I still came mm -hmm. to the studio. And um, with my first daughter, I didn't have the same kinds of things going on as I do now. So my, that, she was born in 2011, in January 2011. So it really was like right after two, like we got, I, we got married and then I got pregnant and then things had not grown mm -hmm. yet mm -hmm. in terms of my career. So I was still making my art and but I was really depressed, like mm -hmm. after Gemma, because I felt this sort of lacking in my life. I, I just didn't have anything going on. Mm -hmm. There was actually no Instagram then either. So, mm -hmm. so there was like, there was like really no, I had to work really hard at connecting with people and, and getting out into the world. And in that sense, like there was really no balance. Like I was just doing motherhood. And I knew that with Juna, like I was going to just go back. Mm -hmm to like ward off all of those feelings. Mm -hmm. um, and as far as like just getting the work done, I just, I keep, I keep, I just trust that it's going to get done. I guess uh, there's no real balance in it. It's like, if I have to come to my studio at, late at night, then I will. If I have to come to studio like Saturday morning for a couple hours, just to paint one thing, then I will. Um, it, it's kind of like day by day. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And there's no like, larger plan in place yet yeah. in terms of how it's all going to work, which is hard. I really, for me. but I really like that you say that because it's the reality, right? You know, yeah. so many women don't have um, a break and mm -hmm. I'm, I'm just going to give an example of, of myself. Like I literally forced myself. So my, so my oldest is 10 and then I yeah. have, <laughs> it's a long time. Yeah. And then I have Isla who is a newborn and during my pregnancy, I shut down everything. I stopped my book tour. I closed my skincare line. And I really made the conscious choice to turn inward and to mm. really uh -huh. take care of myself. Because when I had Charlie, I was in, you know, I was going into college. I was working. You know, I was hustling, bustling. There was no break. And yeah. I wanted to be really intentional about nurturing myself during this pregnancy. But I knew 
that that was a privilege. Like, I know that there are so many women out there who can't do that. You can't just stop and shut shit down and focus in on yourself. Um, So I'm really happy that you you said that, because once Isla got here, you know, I definitely started slowly but surely getting back into the groove and. I I kind of struggled with a little bit of guilt, too, because I'm like, OK, I have to get back to work. You know, I have to work on my second project. I've gotten my advance for this mm-hmm. this book already. Um, I can't just completely be like, OK, I'm just going to kind of whimsically prance through life, even though I wish I could. We can't. Mm-hmm. But how yeah. I found that balance by taking breaks when I needed them, it was through the little things. Right. Like yeah. not being, you know on my phone all the time, you know, answering emails and texts and conference calls and Instagram and all this and really trying to still work, but also be introspective. And Mm. it's hard to do. It's really hard to do, especially when you're back into the swing of work and you're like, I need to ship this order. I need to turn this contract in. I have this collaboration phone call. I need to do X, Y, and Z. And Uh it's just like, how am I going to get it done? with self-care involved so with that said (laughs) oh my yeah does self-care show up in your life these days or is it hard and I think this is a good conversation to have and I like how this flow is going because I know a lot of people look at me and other women who who talk about self-care and they're like how do you self-care with kids with a husband with a job with a nine-to-five job like I don't have time to do that how are you doing it if you are, or how do you want to do it better? Like my late twenties up until like maybe when I, until I was like 38, I was in therapy and I probably spent, I don't even know. Like I, when I added it all up one year, cause I was in psychotherapy and I was going three days a week, mm-hmm. it was ridiculous how much money I was spending. But that was part of me getting good with me. Mm-hmm. my husband makes fun of me and like, and then also gets mad at me. He's like, why do you spend so much money on this self-care stuff? So I I go to the chiropractor, Mm -hmm. I go to acupuncture. I talk to my clairvoyant people because that really helps me. Mm -hmm. Like it really helps me get centered. I feel like if I don't go get that massage that I need to go get, I I feel like I'm going to um, suffocate. Mm -hmm. Like if I'm not like keeping up with those things that make my body and brain work together, then so many other things are not possible. Yeah. If that makes sense. No, like it does. I, I, it does. My parents are not self-care people. And um, my sister just recently started doing so much self-care. She wakes up at four o'clock in the morning exercising, like she does her essential oils, like, and you really see this like difference vibing off of her. It's pretty exciting. I really, I'm oh, totally okay with like, almost spending all the money that I have and all the ways to make me feel like I can like take on the world. So how about when people don't have the money to, to do, I know to do massages and, and the chiropractor and essential oils and things like that. Because I know sometimes people have even asked me like, you know, I don't have money for, you know, a manicure or a massage. And Uh I tell, and I tell people all the time, Self-care doesn't have to be expensive, you know, self-care can take five minutes of sitting at your desk, breathing 
doing your meditation, taking out your journal for five minutes and writing down how you're feeling in that moment. So when it comes to you, you know, maybe you're not having a a financial self-care week, right? And you really just kind of need to step away from home or the husband or the kids. Where Uh do you retreat to as as an artist and a mother and a wife to be able to kind of find your center in those moments when you just need like five minutes? First, I'd like to preface this by actually, I don't, I'm, I don't have any money. <laughs> so like all the self-care that I do is, it, I still do it even though I, we, are, we are financially struggling. Mm-hmm. Just wanted to say that. Mm-hmm. But for me, I feel very lucky that painting uh, helps me get centered. It helps me have that internal conversation that I need to have with myself. I have a on, ongoing journal on my computer. And when I need to talk to myself, mm-hmm. that's where I go. And it's always open. And sometimes I just go there and write two words or five sentences or whatever. That's always really helpful. I think that fresh air really helps. Yeah. Too. Like, I feel like that's the freest best self-care for myself is to like go on a walk with a friend. Hiking is really nice. A lot of people find that that nature is the best medicine. Yes, totally. I don't get to go hiking as much as I used to, but I do have one friend that I go on hikes with that I, it's like walking, talking, therapy, meditation or something. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. But I don't, again, I don't get to do that very often, but that's free. That is free. Nature is, is always free. You can go outside and just breathe for five seconds. Yes. Um, raising daughters and having yes. them be seven years apart. Yeah. How does it feel for you? How does it feel for you to be a girl mom, number one? Because I love it. I love being a girl mom. Um And I have learned to love this age gap. It's very new. I kind of feel like mm-hmm. even though I have a kid already who you know, I've mothered and she's 10. I do feel like this new experience with Isla has opened up so many things that I have either forgotten or just didn't experience with Charlie. So I was Mm -hmm. wondering how has that worked for you and your girls being seven years apart? Well, so I, so far it's so lovely seeing the older one loving on the younger one. And you don't, we are not experiencing that, um, I wouldn't say like the jealousy, the sibling rivalry. I, I, I feel like when they're close in age, I hear people talking about that, but I don't see that with my girls, which is nice. Gemma, Gemma's, Gemma's the older one, and I had her when I was 36. So I see her getting older, and she's like almost feels like she's becoming a teenager. Mm-hmm. And then I have this little, little baby it feels good. Like the idea that Gemma is going into the second grade, like that she's way more self-sufficient. That's really nice. Yeah. Her attitude is getting huge, which is hard because we've got this little baby like crying over here. And then this like sassy attitude girl, (laughs) which is hard, but it's fine. Um, as far as the girl thing, I have a sister and then my sister has two daughters So it's almost, I feel like it's the only thing I know. Mm. So I would never, I mean, I wouldn't change it. I would have, I wanted girls maybe because I knew that that was 
I mean, that's all I know. So it's all I in my mind. That's my my script. I want to talk about color and shapes. I was on your website earlier and that phrase really stood out to me. What moves you to create color and shapes? Because your abstract pieces blow my entire mind. Like I love them. They are gorgeous. What calls you to certain colors and certain shapes? Do seasons have a part of that? Do your feelings have a part in that? How do you get to where the piece starts and then when it ends? When I was pregnant with my first daughter, I started making pieces that were um, more abstract. I I feel like, and, and, and then when I was pregnant with my second kid, I started doing it again. And I feel like it's because I'm looking for balance. Like, and the work is really about like balance, shape and the weight of shapes the way they lean on each other, fold on each other. I feel like they're kind of like rearranging my internal furniture, if that makes sense. It does. Um, mm-hmm. And so when I do them, I find a lot of peace or questions being answered. I don't know. There's just something that that's very soothing to me. Um, as far as the colors go, um, I don't feel like they're seasonal. And I do feel like I gravitate towards certain colors and sometimes like certain colors really make me feel certain things. Like, um, I love the color. I love coral and all like pinks. So I find myself using those kinds of colors a lot. And what I've been really experimenting with lately is like throwing in a color that is just so off putting Mm -hmm. and working around that color to find color balance or harmony. Mm -hmm. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm especially with a color in there that feels like, Ooh, that gives me the funny feeling. I don't like that color. And I, my, my inclination is like, I'm just going to paint it, paint over it. Hmm. But then I spend time like sitting back and looking and thinking like, well, how can I make that color more appealing? What other colors uh, can I put around it to make it feel warm and cozy as opposed to like poopy and cold or something. (laughs) I totally get I totally get that. And um, I actually have one of your paintings as the background on my phone. And I do. do I do. I totally do. (laughs) Um, And I love how I love the stacking that you use in your abstract art. Um, It makes me feel like I can kind of this is going to sound weird, but I know art makes you feel different things, but it, I can relate to yeah. kind of the heaviness of some of the, the blocks or shapes and then the lightness of the, the colors that intertwine with the light colors and the dark colors. I just it just makes me feel good. And I know that that that's what art is supposed to do. It's supposed to make you feel good and it's supposed to make you feel things, you know, even if it's not uh-huh. necessarily good things. It's like. I feel something here and I really I really appreciate artists like you who are able to translate feelings from paint and texture and just shapes. I think that it's magical because I am not an artist. I literally can't even make a stick figure. And it's so funny because Charlie is an artist. Mm. She can look at something and draw it and it look exactly like the thing that's in front of her. And that is just it's magical to me how people's brains work that way when it comes to art. So we've touched on motherhood. We've touched on self-care. We've touched on art, of course. And the last question I want to I want to ask you, 
is who are you today? Today? Who am I today? Yes. Oh my goodness. In addition to being a mother, a wife, an artist, as you stand or sit where you are today, who do you feel that you are? Oh God, who am I today? Well, I am a mother who has a full day in the studio, which is very exciting. (laughs) Yes. (laughs) (laughs) Um, I don't know. I don't know. How how do other people answer that question? I mean, I feel like some of the things that I've been sort of grappling with lately are, um, I don't know if they're who I am. There's no right or wrong way to answer either. And this is my first time asking this question. So I'm very excited about it. Oh, good. Well, because I mean, there's some things that like I've been really like chipping away at how to envision and expand my businesses, you know, make them more and bigger. Like I, I want more. Mm -hmm. I've been thinking about this for a really long time. And, and I keep finding people who I think might be able to help me like expand that business and then the universe comes down and like something happens and then that person just disappears. Mm. It's almost as like, and I feel like right now who I am is I'm trying to trust that the time will be right when it's time and that I'm all the preparation and all the envisioning and all the things that I'm doing and then I'm thinking and all that is all sort of like pre-work for that expansion. So I'm trying to be patient. Mm. If that makes sense. It does make sense. It absolutely makes sense. Just trying to like, just trust and be patient and, um, and neutral, like let things just be what they are. It's really hard. Cause I'm a go, go, go. Mm-hmm. I'm a go. I want it now. Mm-hmm. You know, I, I'm, I, Maybe that's who I am. I'm just trying. I'm just a lady trying to be patient. There you go. That's all. That's, that's it. What I, am. <laughs> I love that. I love that. So with that said, I just want to say thank you so much for spending some time with us today. Um, this was a really fun conversation for me. Before we go, please let everyone know where they can find you, your art and your brand on the Internet. Well, I've got my fine art website, jengarito.com. I've got my home textile line, jennypennywood.com. I will be having a solo show in Austin in June at a gallery called Wally Workman. So if you're in Austin, please come and visit. CSUN's coming out. So that's shopcsun.com. And we're going to be launching our new collection in maybe next month. I'm so excited for CSUN, by the way. I was so sad when you first, you guys first, um, said, you know, we're going to be going away for a little bit. I was like, no, please. <laughs> but I'm, I was, I was sad too. I I'm happy we're redoing it. It's exciting. I was, I was not ready to be done at the time, but it really was like perfect timing because I was pregnant and I don't know why I think I can do, so, I, I feel like I can do everything. Yeah. And then, and then the universe quickly is like, girl, slow down. I know. <laughs> I know. It's, That's me too. But, it's like my nature. It's like, I want to do this. I want to do that. I want to do this. And then, and then, and then I'm like, mm, yeah, that's, that's possible and not possible all at the same time. Well, thank you so much, Jen, for offering your art with me 
with the world and I am so excited for what's to come for you. So thanks so much for being on the show. Thank you for asking me. Thanks. <laughs> talk to you later. Bye. Okay, talk later. Bye. The Hey Girl Podcast is a member of the District Productive. Produced by Paul, Woody Woodhall, and me, Alex L. Music by DC's own Kokai. Kokai.